Welcome here, everybody. My name is Greg Fraser, and I'm one of the pastors here at the Father's House. And, uh, you know, why do we do all these announcements today? Why was that, like, this seemed like an, if you've never been here before, this was a lot of announcements. But because we wanted you to know something. We wanted you to know that there's a place for you. And, and we wanted you to know this is what the church does. It's incredible. This is just one local church. And all the things that were being unfolded today, uh, you know, so important. And, 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 and all of you, you know, I believe that the Spirit of God would touch some part of your heart and say, I connect with that. And uh, like even the huge community outreach that we're doing on Thanksgiving, that's Thanksgiving Sunday that we're doing that on. But you know what? We believe there are a lot of people that need to find a connection point and need to find their way home. And so we say, who can volunteer and help to make this a reality? And, you know, we, we're partnering together with uh, what's happening at Higher Grounds and uh, as a ministry of our church, but also as an outreach to our community. And so you may want to connect with that. And I wanted to just highlight that because Kim Mills, Kim, are you here? Wave there. Stand up for a minute, Kim. Kim is kind of coordinating. Stand on the chair, Kim. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Kim is awesome. She, she is uh, our assistant manager at Higher Grounds, and uh, she's coordinating this whole thing. Uh, for the community outreach. And I really wanted to highlight her because you can go and find out where can I serve. I want to be part of this. And uh, we really want to see people, uh, everybody in our community, find a place in a, a moment of, of belonging and home. And don't you think that would be awesome to do on, on Thanksgiving so much? Amen? Kim, is, I'm going to just share the story because I'm going to connect it to her for a second. She's a military wife, spouse, and, uh, you know, for her, this is very personal because there are a lot of military p- families and stuff that are away from home. And, uh, you know, this is part of the outreach for her is to open this up on the military base to see military families that maybe are people that don't have any other family or connection to have a, a real true uh, Thanksgiving dinner for them. Isn't that incredible? And Jeannie Luckin, are you here, Jeannie? She's in the... Bar- Where's Jeannie? She's somewhere. Jeannie donated like seven massive 30-pound turkeys. She's a turkey farmer. And uh, to, to make this a reality. Isn't that awesome? That's another person from our church. And by the way, if you need a, if you need a great turkey, I'm going to put a plug in for, for Jeannie. We buy turkey from her every year, for, and they're amazing turkey. So I'm going to get your turkey. You may not need a 30-pounder, but she does have smaller ones. So there you go. Amen. So why are you here today? Why are you here today? You know, we're saying to you, come back to church, and church is relevant to your life, and church is important. And, uh, you know, I I think there are all kinds of people, as I speak those words, that are in this auditorium today. I think there are people that believe that, that believe church is relevant, that uh, having a relationship with God and with his people is a relevant and important part of my life and a centering part of my life. Maybe you're here today, and you're one of the people that don't know that's true. Maybe this is your first time in a church. Uh, but you're willing to come and investigate. You know, I think there might be some people here even that are like, no, nah, I don't think church is relevant at all. But my girlfriend dragged me and I really like her. So I'm going to church to pretend that I really like God too. But I'm not even, I don't think God is relevant in any way. So we're excited that you're here too because we believe that God is maybe going to speak to you today. You know, maybe uh, again, that you're, maybe you grew up in a church or you went to church earlier, but you just didn't have a great experience in church. And so, you know, maybe that's you. And uh, we want to talk today really about what God's intention for the church is. Why the church is vital and important in your life. And, uh, you know, I believe that, uh, you know, I was one of those people in that category that I just mentioned. I won't tell you which one. You'll figure it out soon. Um, You know, eight days before my 21st birthday, I went to a church service. 
And, uh, you know, I encountered God and uh, his people in such a, a profound way that suddenly, you know, my whole life kind of shifted and went in a really different direction because of that, that in, encouraging moment in my life when I met with God and I met with his people. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, God's got a big story and you're part of that story. You can choose to be part of that story or you can stay outside of that story. That's really what the church is all about and what God has brought you here for today. So let's pray. And uh, I'm going to try and spend the next 20-some minutes to tell you why church is relevant in your life. Father, bless your word to us today. And I do pray, God, for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better, to know the hope that you've called us to, to know the glorious inheritance that is those who know you, and who call upon you, Lord. I pray that the eyes of our heart will be open so that we can see that and understand that and experience you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, to understand the church, I'm gonna just kind of use our church as a launching point. Part of our mission or our purpose for existence is we say that the Father's house exists to help people find their way home to God. You see, we say finding your way home is not so much to a location or to a church, but to a person. And uh, that connection point is God. And, and so I believe that's kind of the mission and the mandate of every church. Every single church kind of has that mission to bring people back into a relationship with God and into the story that God is creating. You know, you said, find your way home. I, I didn't know I was lost. Well, the whole world is kind of disconnected and lost at times disconnected from the God of their purpose. And really the job of the church is to create a space and a place where people can connect back with God and with others who are in the same boat as them. So let me just talk a little bit about that. You know, in the beginning, God was a creator, the Bible says. This is the grand story. You could call it the grand narrative of God. And in the beginning, God created, he created the worlds, he created the heaven, he created the earth, he created everything. And after everything he created, he said, it is good. It is good. It is good, man. This is good. You know, God is kind of a happy person. He's real happy. You know, he creates a duck and he says, this is good. He creates a duck-billed platypus. And he says, man, this is going to confuse them so much. This thing doesn't even make sense. It's awesome. This is good. He creates all these things and then he does something amazing. He creates mankind and he says, this is very good. And you're like, whoa, what, what, what's the difference? What makes mankind special? What makes God's people, what makes people that God created even more special than anything else that's created? And that's really what we want to talk about. Number one, here's why, is mine, uh, why are we so created in God's story? What's our important part? Number one is this. You are created in the image of God. You're created in the image of God. You are all image bearers. You bear the image of God. Like, when we look at you, we should be going, wow, wow. Because when we see you, you, you are to reflect back to us part of God's image. Maybe you reflect that image back in your kindness. Maybe you reflect that image back in your love for people. Maybe you reflect that image back in your massive creativity. Maybe you ref you're following me. All these things are reflection of God. And you're created in that image. You know, each one of us are image bearers. It's not that we are gods or we're God, but we're like him. We're self-aware. 
You know, we're, we're, we're aware of our environment. We have the power to create. We have the power to manage. We have free will. All these things. Mentally, God was, uh, man was created with the ability to reason and to make choices and to be given that power. Morally, man was created you know, to reflect God, to be morally righteous, to be perfect and innocent and uh, whole in his presence. Socially, man was created for fellowship with God, with themselves and with others. See, we are created in the image of God. All these things are reflected in that story. We're created with incredible purpose. You know, like I said, everything after God spoke, he said, it's good, it's good, it's good. But mankind gets, it's the very good. Why? Because we're created to be stewards of the world. You know, I'm going to just step on a, a little bit of a branch here. You know, you're more important than dolphins. You're more important than ducks or duck-billed platypuses. You're more important than all those things. And it's not that you uh, are more important that you get to abuse those things. You're more important because you're called to manage those things. And that's God's intention for mankind. Created in his image and created with this incredible purpose to represent him in this world. Here's the scripture that tells you your job description in case you were ever wondering. This is what it says about mankind's job description. Genesis 1, and God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, subdue it, listen to this, using all its vast resources in the service of God and man and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air and every living creature that moves upon the earth. What does that mean? Well, the first one is just be fruitful. And this is talking about the quality of life that God has. He's like, God, I want you to be fruitful. I want your lives to produce fruit. And not only just produce fruit, but he says, be fruitful and multiply. It says, multiply and fill the earth. He's saying, produce fruit in such abundance that not only does it provide in your life, but also in the lives of those who encounter you and are part and connected to you. That's part of what it means. You know, Jesus put it this way. God, you know, the devil came to kill, rob, and destroy, but Jesus, God, came in, in, in order to give you life and life abundant. That you, you have so much life flowing out of you. Now, what does that mean when I say produce fruit? I'm not talking about you producing an apple. I'm talking about you producing the fruit that, you know, is in your life. Maybe you're a creative type, and God's saying, I want you to write the songs that the world will sing. Or maybe you're a manager and, and you're that person that can bring structure and organization. Like Peter, kind of, you know, that, you know, if I'm, you're not lined up on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I'm going to freak out and lose it. That's, I don't even understand that, but Peter's really good at that, you know. And, and maybe that's you. And, and you understand that's his fruit. When his life is in operation, he produces this fruit of management. And all of you have this incredible gift that God is giving. And God is saying, I just want you to multiply. And I want you to, to do this incredible work that I put in your life, this seed to produce the fruit of who you really are to this world. It's incredible. You can go on and on about that. But we're to subdue it and to keep it under submission. That's what subdue means. Submission just means to support the mission. <laughs> so... How do you support the mission? What does that mean? You are to support the mission of God. And the mission of God is that all these things were given to us. I don't know if you caught this in the, in the book, in the, in the scripture on Genesis. It says, in the service of God and man. That all of these gifts, all these things that God has placed in mankind are meant to be for the service of God and mankind. Isn't that incredible? 
how generous God is, is that he's put these gifts in us and he says, now multiply them, grow them, let them bear fruit so that it serves others. Because that's my heart and my intention. That's what it means. Ultimately, lastly, is have dominion and he says, just maintain that order and keep going and keep going. That's what God wants us to do. Now, I have a little thought here. When you think about how you're managing your life, it says, you know, you're to manage your life not to conquer uh, yourselves, but really to conquer ourselves for the service of men and to fill God's good intentions towards others. In other words, when I'm ruling my life, if, I, if I'm managing my life properly, it actually multiplies and affects others' lives positively. That's God's intention. That's God's heart. That's part of why the church was created. And we're, lastly, we're created to have fellowship with God. So not only are we created in God's image, not only are we created with incredible purpose, but we're created to have fellowship with God. Can you imagine? To have a relationship with God. And that's God's heart. This is God's story. Not only will that relationship with God help us to find our true relationship with ourselves, because when I know God, I know myself more clearly. And then I'm to have a proper relationship with you. You know, it's, it's amazing that when God was creating and he said, it is good, it is good, it is good, and then it is very good that man was created. And then he said, oh man, something's wrong. It's not good. It's the first time he says it's not good. Now imagine, everything's perfect. There's no problems in the world, no sin, no issues at all. And God looks at man and says, man, this is not good. And what was not good was that he was alone. So he said, I, I need to create a woman or man is ruined. Can I get an amen from all the women in the house? Amen. <laughs> Don't hit your husbands right now. Um, so in other words, what God said in this perfect world, he said, it's not good that man is alone. Do you know how generous God is? He not only created us for a relationship with himself, but he created us for a relationship with others. And he gives us one another to live in a relationship as a reflection of his goodness to us. What a story that God is generating. Created in the image of God, created with incredible purpose in representing his heart to this world and created to live in an inconceivable intimacy with creator and with one another. So what went wrong? What went wrong? I mean, this sounds good. This sounds great. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Whoa, this is not what I'm experiencing in the world today. Something went wrong. See, here's what went wrong. Mankind, because you see, we're free. That's part of being a human. It's part of being created in the image of God is we have a choice. So what we decided way back when was, God, thanks for existence. Thanks that you created me. But I'm going to live my life and create my own story apart from you. And so really, that's what mankind chose. We chose to say, you know what? Great story, God, but mm, I think I'm going to try it on my own. And the Bible calls that choice sin. <laughs> See, sin is very simple. simple. Uh, you know, it's really giving into our self-indulgent nature, S-I-N, our self-indulgent nature, rather than saying, God, I want to be in submission to you and live with you in your story. We tried to create our own story. And uh, how many of you know that's created some problems? It's created some problems in the world that we've tried to write our own story. Well, what changed in our world because we decided to move away from God and to follow and create our own story? Number one is this, the image became marred. 
I don't know if you know this or if you figured this out when you look in the mirror or look at other people, they're not the perfect representation or reflection of who God is. Has anybody figured that out when you're looking at yourself? <laughs> or your husband? Or your, you know why I love marriage? Because it's two marred people coming together trying to be whole. And it's like pieces of them are flying all over the place. It's so hard. And God's like, I love it. Because it's going to force them to change. It's going to force them to grow and to mature. And even when they break themselves so bad that they can't do it, you know what we do? We start a thing called divorce care. Because we're still those broken people that need to find our way home to God. Our image has been, been marred. And, and, you know, it's incredible when, when we stepped in and we wrote our own story, you know, things like fear came into mankind's heart for the first time. The Bible says that when they sinned, when they chose their own story over God's story, uh, they began to hide from each other and to hide from God. Don't we live in a world where people are hiding? We live in a world where people are broken. We live in a world when people, nobody, nobody goes to a party and then, you know, when people say, how are you doing? Nobody really lists, like, you don't have any idea the bad stuff that's going on in my life. Like, if I was really honest with you, if we had a moment of honesty, you would not want to hang out with me because, man, sometimes I am so mean. Sometimes I am so selfish. Sometimes, you know, can you imagine that in a moment? You'd be like, whoa, I was just asking how your day went. Never mind, you know, like this therapy session. Like, whoa. But we wear masks, don't we? We hide, we cover. That's part of what happened when we started to write our own stories. We disconnected from God. What else happened? Our purpose became distorted. You know, this one breaks my heart, but if you think about our world today, remember God said, I've given you this incredible purpose, and what I want you to do with this purpose is I want you to serve God and serve mankind with your gifts. But what did we do? What we did was this. We said, we're going to have dominion, or I'm going to take control over your life so that you can serve me. Do you know how much of that happens in our world today, guys? Rather than taking control of ourselves in order to serve others, we say, I'm going to take control of you so that you serve me. Isn't that a picture of our world today? So much happening, so many people, so much control issues going on. You know, even in marriages, even in families, people are like, control, control, control. How many of you know control is an illusion? It's not until you give up and say, God, we, we're out of control without you. We can't do this. We want to be part of your story. But our world is, is so hell-bent on control, and we see abuse, and we see manipulation. We see all these things as a result of trying to create our story, a story that doesn't include God. And, of course, lastly, our relationships are broken. When we hid from God and we hid from one another, we really became unaware of who even we are, who God is. You know, it's incredible to me how distorted our relationships are in this world today. They just are, they're broken. And you know, mankind still tries to create a story outside of God. So you know what we do? And, and I, I, I want to just, you know, give you a thought here. You know, things like this just disturb me intensely when we say we have a massive drug problem in our world uh, and we say, you know, rather than we're going to help people to be set free from that drug addiction, 
Our solution is let's create a place where they can get addict, uh, even further addicted and actually, you know, uh, safely addicted. Do you know God is saying, that's not my heart. My heart is that that person is set free from that addiction. And so mankind continues to try to create a story outside of God's plan and purpose for mankind. And how many of you know when we disconnect from God, we actually create more bondage and more pain. We don't create freedom. We create brokenness. And so we're a world that's kind of spinning out of control because we continue to try and manage our story without God. But the beautiful thing is this, guys. God knew we would try to create a story without him a story that didn't include him. But he graciously, lovingly, and mercifully invites us back into the story of what we were always created to be. See, this is why Jesus came. He came to earth as a man. He lived as a man. He died as a man. He came back to life in order to offer life to those who had disconnected from God to come back into relationship with God, with themselves and with others. And this is really where we start to come into the story as the church. Listen to the scripture in Romans that tells you about Jesus' invitation to humanity. It says in Romans 5, by entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with him, make us fit for him. We have it all together with God because of our master, Jesus That's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his door to us. Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself in a sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if he hadn't, if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have had known what to do anyway. See, this is what Jesus is doing. He's inviting people back into the story of God, the story that includes them. And he's saying, would you like me to come into your life and to partner with you and to rewrite your story? When I say rewrite, I don't mean write. I mean R-I-G-H-T, write. Make it right. Make it whole. (laughs) You see, this is part of the church's job is that we're a bunch of people that have come back together with God and with one another who are so broken, so disconnected, and God wants to rewrite our story. And this is what happens when we're invited back into his story. We're restored to wholeness. How many of you know to be restored to wholeness takes our whole life? How many of you know that, you know, human transformation is the slowest of all journeys in all of the world? How many of you are married, and my wife and I have this interesting conversation. We really try to ha- say the words, you always or never, you never. We try to use, get rid of that language in our life. But you know, my wife has been patient for 25 years. That means she, sometimes she looks at me and she says, dude, are you ever going to change? And I'm always not wise enough to say, you're right, honey, forgive me. It's always like, when are you going to change? Apparently, that's not the right answer she was looking for. So do you understand what happens when we come back into God's story is that we're being called to be restored into wholeness, which takes our whole life. Listen to this scripture in Colossians 1. I love it. 
God rescued us from the den and alleys and the dark dungeons. He set us up in a kingdom of the son that he loves so much, the son who got us out of the pit we were in and got rid of the sins we were doomed to keep repeating. See, God invites broken people back into his story. And he says, guys, I'm going to save you. I'm going to set you free. And it's going to take a whole lot of time. So you're going to have to be patient with each other. But I'm calling you together in the church to restore you back to the wholeness that I've called you to be. Well, ultimately then, number two is to restore and to rediscover our true purpose. Hallelujah. To give you a new passion and a new person. Just a new pursuit of truth. A new purpose in your life. You live not only for your own good, but for the good of others. Wouldn't it be a great world if we all just live for not only our own good, but for the good of others? Wouldn't that be a good place to live? This is God's heart and intention. You know, there should be nobody hungry in this world. There should be nobody starving in this world. There should be nobody that's disconnected from relationship in this world. That's God's heart. That's God's intention. You know, we can't feed everybody in the world ourselves. We can't do it all, but we can do our own little part, can't we? We can serve on Thanksgiving and say, you know what, I'm going to take part in that and I'm going to to join a care group because you know what, maybe joining diverse care, maybe you've been through it and maybe you just need to go in to encourage others. Or maybe you're so broken and hurt still, you definitely need to go. So you need to rediscover your true purpose, church. This is what the church is all about. It says in, uh, I don't have the slide, but in Ephesians 2, it says, through followers of Jesus like yourselves, gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. See, the angels are watching God and God comes down to this broken world, this disconnected world that chose themselves over God and others. And he's saying, I want you to come home. I want you to come home. And I want you to find your true purpose and your true identity and your true meaning. And lastly, to return to a a proper relationship with God, yourself, and with others. Romans 8 says, this resurrection life that you've received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expecting, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? What do you got for us, God? We're part, we're in the story now. We're back in, I love it. It says God's spirit art touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. And we know what we're gonna get, what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. That inheritance is coming back into wholeness. That inheritance is coming back into incredible purpose. I can't imagine living my life doing anything else other than telling people that God is inviting them back into their story, to come into his story, to be set free, to walk and live in victory and confidence, even though they are broken. And then we're a bunch of people that are gathered together. And guys, you know what we are? We're a bunch of wounded healers. We're a bunch of people that have been broken and hurt and disconnected and God's like gathered us all together. You're not looking at people that are perfect in this church. You don't come to this church because you're perfect. You come to this church because you're broken. That's the incredible story of God. That's the richness of the love of God. That's the church. 
The church isn't to stand up and say, here's the pinnacle where you need to rise to. The church is to come down and say, man, I found a place. I'm a beggar begging for bread and I found a God. I found a place. I found home. And God's inviting you too, a fellow beggar, a fellow broken person, to find your way back to the God who loves you and cares for you and to live in a community of people that are on the journey together with you. Hallelujah. Let me just close with my own story. When I was a, a young man, I, you know, I'm, I kind of like remind myself of uh, the story of the atheist who was teaching his son why we're atheists, son. We don't believe in God. And he was going through the whole explanation. It made logical sense. And the son was listening intently. And at the end of the conversation, he says to his dad, Dad, I, I just have one question. Does God know that we don't believe in him? Do you understand? That, that was kind of me. I, I always knew there was a God. You couldn't tell me there was no God. I knew there was a God. I just didn't know how to connect to him. I didn't know how to have a relationship with him. And I remember growing up, uh, you know, in a very nominal Christian home, um, a Catholic background I had. And, uh, but I didn't really go to church. I was definitely a part-time Catholic at best. And, uh, you know, C&E Catholic. I was a Christian and uh, Christmas and Easter Catholic. And, um, but, you know, I, I always knew there was a God. I just didn't know I could have a relationship with him. When I was in grade six, I had a teacher that had had a relationship with God. And she began to teach us during, right before recess, she would take time to read from this book called, you know, the Bible. And she would read about the power of praise and worship and connecting with God. And I was like, who are you? This is crazy. And she'd encourage us, kids, you should do this. So I'm going to tell you, to be really honest with you, at recess, we would sit there and we would, when she walked by, we'd pretend to be doing what she was teaching us. And she'd be like, oh, kids, you're doing it. It's so wonderful. Oh, yes, we are. Thank you. Thank you. And then we would just mock her. Isn't that horrible? But, you know, when I went home as a kid, I started to practice what she said. And I began to praise this God I couldn't see and to thank him. And suddenly God became into my life. And I was like, what is going on? Things started to align and to work in my life. And I was like, this is great. And I had this summer between grade six and grade seven of this incredible move of God in my life, but I did not understand it. Does anybody follow me? And by the end of grade, a time I came into grade seven, I was aware of God, but I didn't know how to connect him. You know why? I didn't have a church. I didn't have a place where I was being taught how to have a relationship with God. And so I began to, you know, do a grade seveners, eighters, niners, teners, elevens, and twelvers. I began to party with my friends, hang out with my friends, and that was kind of my journey. And God became a, a, more and more of a distant memory, but he was always still there. You following me? And when I got out of high school, you know, I, I, my partying had become a little more serious. I was still a responsible person, but, you know, I was, I was into dr- using drugs and I was into drinking and, and, and things were not going well. Instead of those things being fun, now I needed to have to do those things. Do you see, it moved from this party of fun, fun, fun to now it was bondage in my life. And I remember, this is the, the honest to God truth. I remember practicing saying, God, please forgive me as fast as I could in case God wasn't happy with my current lifestyle choices. So it sounded like, you know, it was like, God, forgive I thought if I was going to get in a car accident, I'd have time to repent before I hit. So when I was alone, I'm not even joking with you. I'd be like doing that. God, please forgive me. God, forgive me. But it's like, like, I couldn't get it down to under a second. Like, I was like, I'm not going to make it. 
Do you understand? I'm searching for something. Something's going on in my life. And I kind of resolved to myself, well, I'm just going to exist. I, I really don't know what life's all about, but I'm not a really a, a, the person given to depression. So I was like, well, I'll just exist. I mean, it's not really great. It's not what I want to see on my headstone. He existed. You know, like, wow, woo, way to go. You know, I was like, that's not cool. But then I remember I went to my brother's house to go party with my brother and my sister-in-law. And I was about 20 years old, eight days before my 21st birthday. And uh, I walk in and my sister-in-law's got this glow on her face. And she says, I'm born again. I'm like, what? What's going on? Where's Doug? We're going to party. I don't know why I'm here. And I'm like, what? And she got herself in and she was like glowing, this her face. And I was like, wow, what has changed? And so she invited me to come to her baptism. She invited me to come to her church. And baptism is just a symbol of her letting go of the old and coming back into God's story. So I went to her baptism. And I won't go into all the details of it, but at that baptism, 700 people in the church, the preacher started to preach right at me. And he said, literally, young man, the spirit of God is on your life. And he's anointed you and created you for more than this. And I'm like, ah. My brother was sitting next to me and he just started to move away. <laughs> he's like, you're on your own, brother. I'm, uh, this is freaking me out. So, so I, you know what I did? I, I didn't even understand it, but I said, God, you're the God I've been looking for and I've been missing for all these years. The God I met back in grade six, you're here. And I don't understand it, but I want to come back into your story. And that was the biggest decision of my life that day, to come back into God's story. You know, I didn't really fully get it, but you know what what I was doing was a thing called that Jesus said, repent and believe the good news. And repent just means change your thinking, you guys. You've been living for yourself, but God is offering you an opportunity to live with him, to come into a relationship with him. That's what repentance is. It's to say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for trying to do it on my own. I'm sorry, God, for creating my own story. I'm sorry for, for manipulating and, and doing things that are not representing your heart or your character. Whatever it is you're sorry for, that's part of what it means to enter into God's story. I repent. It doesn't mean you get to keep to do your own thing. It means you come and say, God, I need you to order my life and structure my life in such a way that I begin to live with you in your story and with others. That's repentance. And then to believe, to believe that God will be generous enough in his love to invite you back, to come home. (laughs) See, that's why we're opening the church today. That's why we're doing all these care groups. That's why we're doing the Thanksgiving. It's all about the story of God. It's not about us being so good people. It's about us being transformed by the presence and the power of God to such a degree that we're saying, God, everybody needs to know this story. Everybody needs to find their way home to God and to a father who loves them, who cares for them, and come back into the family of God. Wow. That's the story of the church. That's my story. That's your story. And God's sitting there today and he's saying, I invite you back in. I'm going to ask somebody just to come on the keyboard and just play for a few minutes. But really, it's your choice now. (laughs) it's your choice see that's the thing God actually gives you the freedom to say no to him and to continue to live in your story or you can say God I need help (laughs) I need help in my life 
I need to be part and included in your story and with your heart. Thanks, Jody. What are you going to do today? You see, that's why we're here. The church exists for its non-members <laughs> as much as it exists for its members because we exist to tell people the story. And the story is this. God is for you and not against you. He's not against you. He's not against you in your brokenness. He just wants you to be free. He's not against you in your selfishness. He just wants you to be free. But it's your choice today.